And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Well, we were braced for a slow start to the season, and a slow start to the season is what we've been treated to, if that's the right word. But should we be worried that United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and even Tottenham looked pretty good over the opening weekend, while City looked absolutely knackered? Everyone had players back late from the Euros, everyone's had a disrupted pre-season, but it's only City who haven't had the three points this weekend. Welcome, if that's also the right word, to today's Why Always Us. I'm David Mooney, with me for the first Calm Down, It's Only Early, Here's the Mitigating Circumstances episode of the season it's Sam Lee hi Sam didn't we do that after the community shield I feel I feel <laughs> like I'm worried this is going to be every week now for six weeks and then I'm going to go oh yeah everybody was right all along but yeah hello <laughs> I don't know I can't remember if we did now I thought I thought it was quite calm and measured last week but here we are um this yeah. is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic and the return of the football season is the perfect time to subscribe to The Athletic join now to read all of Sam's stuff on City including a recent piece on why they didn't attempt to go for Lionel Messi again this summer and if you sign up now you can get 33% off the price of a full subscription just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City City pod. Um, Sam aside, Messi aside, uh, what else is on the agenda for you? Uh, possibly a load of Harry Kane stuff this week. Um, we'll get into that in a bit because it's the maddest. <laughs> it's, it's one of the weirdest, honestly, it's one of the weirdest kind of transfer sagas or transfer stories that I've worked on. But I know this is a bit of an advert kind of bit, so we'll get into that in a bit. Um, there'll be loads of Kane stuff this week. After the game, I wrote about Grealish's performance, which I know is not what people are talking about, but... As you'll see from the podcast, I don't really want to get into the whole oh, left back, oh, defensive midfield, oh, not ready, blah, blah. Like, it's just, uh, there's reasons for that. And I can't write another article saying just give it two or three weeks. Yeah. Partly because I did that before. And the thing with Grealish is it's not saying he was the best player on the pitch, but it was this is what he did, this is how he's doing it, this is the kind of stuff to look out for in the weeks to come. So I think, the, I think it's interesting. Um, the problem with that is people are always going to read things like that and think, oh, this guy's saying he's the best player. Like, no, he wasn't, clearly. But the things he was doing and the things he wasn't doing um, were were there in evidence. And I think, yeah, how Grealish plays for City and where he plays this season and what he does when he's there is going to be really interesting. So, yeah, check that one out and then keep an eye out for all the Harry Kane stuff, which will come this week, no matter what happens. Yeah. Um, Well, Sam, let's start with uh, the game at Spurs and uh, the the kind of bigger picture, uh, I guess, because... um, I've had a couple of. I, I made a point on on Twitter over the week after the discussion we had ahead of the Community Shield or just after the Community Shield um, about City's players being back late and it, it, it obviously Guardiola was prepping up for a slow start to this season um, and a few people came back with a with a perfectly valid question actually why is this affecting City and not anybody else so far? Well, the England players, City's England players, got back later, and, and that was like a City decision, Guardiola's decision, and he was asked about it after the Community Shield. Why? And he was like, well, they need rest. So, like, okay, maybe if they'd have come back a week earlier, they'd have helped City win yesterday. But maybe the fact that they've been given an extra rest means they'll be fitter and better to last 
longer into the season. You know, we we can't get that evidence yet. Um, so that's one factor. Obviously, they were the ones that got to the final. I know United had Shaw and Maguire with England, but obviously City had the four players. Um, they had the two Brazilians, who, the the Copa America final, which was 24 hours beforehand. Um, obviously, De Bruyne is such a key player. As we saw, like when he came on, he was City's best player yesterday for like 10 minutes. But he came on late and like very late because obviously his ankle or whatever they thought his ankle could manage was not more than you know those 10, 15 minutes with extra time at the end. Um, so he's he's a key player. Um, and obviously he didn't go deep, deep into the tournament, but he had that injury problem. Um, but he had a lot of a lot of players back late. You know, Spain went out of the Euros probably about, when was that, about four or five days before England did, and three or four days before Brazil. Um, so there's there's three Spain players there. Uh, obviously Laporte's Laporte probably wouldn't have played anyway because of the whole wanting to leave situation and the attitude. But for argument's sake, he had to isolate last week so he couldn't train. Um, so he wasn't he wasn't ready anyway. Um, and it's like the bench was incredibly strong yesterday. I did a bit on Five Live and I talked about how well I was asked about how strong the bench was and I looked at it and the team sheet in front of me. I was like that is incredibly strong. But then I was annoyed that I didn't think that during the game when it was 1-0 down and even when it wasn't 1-0 down in fact when it was 2 all, I was looking I was like who's going to change the game here because if you look at it and you go well De Bruyne's obviously not fit um, Bernardo wants to go Jesus wants to go Laporte wants to go but um, it's like those attacking players are not ready to come on and, and make a big difference and it's like it's great having Stones and Walker on the bench but I mean, arguably, you could have brought Walker on and it would have solved a problem at the back. But I guess that was, I don't know, I guess that was just, that would have been a sticking plaster because obviously Mendy had to come off. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of different reasons why it's slightly different to other teams. And like one is, yeah, okay, well, it's, it was just City's decision to let the England players have an extra week off. But is that the worst decision in the world? Like, okay, in the meantime, they've lost against Spurs and it's not a great start. But I don't know, in the long run, I think that could have benefits. Um and I think it's just the sheer weight of players who were involved in tournaments. Like, they literally had how, how many first-team players back? And not proper first-team players back when they reported to training, which was three or four weeks ago. It was like five, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like Fernandinho who didn't have a tournament, Mahrez who didn't have a tournament, um, and Mendy who didn't have a tournament, and I like, shouldn't have anything, basically. <laughs> and then it was like Carson, everyone was like, oh, Scott Carson's turned up, oh, he signed a new contract. Like, Players just haven't trained that much. And it's the same thing I was saying last week about the Community Shield. Like the Community Shield was obviously different in the sense that it was a friendly and City had more kids playing as well. And they had half a team and the half a team they did have weren't entirely fit. And I just... I, I understand people who are annoyed at the result and I understand people are saying, oh, they need left-back, they need this, that and the other. It's like, but you know why this is? Like, they haven't just turned, they haven't just turned up in full flow and produced a stinker out of nowhere. Um, it's, uh, it's. I think there are very obvious reasons for that, for why that performance was made. Um, but I do concede that that kind of performance does does happen. Um, and I know people, it, and it's difficult for me to draw the line because it's like, well, they could easily do that when they're in full flow. So is it a recurring issue? But then you think if they could do that when they're in full flow, which they did last season, and they won the title anyway and got to Champions League final, then. Is it that much of a problem? Like, it's a difficult one to to try to work out. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other aspect of this is I was going to ask you if the fitness issues alone kind of explain the performance at Spurs, largely because one of the one of the key points, I thought, especially the first half when City were, were, were quite good in that first kind of 15, 20 minutes or so, um, you had Mendy on the left, you had Sterling on the left, you had Grealish on the left. They were all kind of, they were all working together down that left flank. Um, but the one thing it was doing was leaving a lot of open space in the middle. Uh, are, we, are we a little bit worried about that going forward, or is that, or, or was the space in the middle simply because you know Fernandinho couldn't just couldn't turn around and get back as quickly as he normally does, that sort of thing? Well, I, my reading of the game was that the kind of spaces that were opening up were less to do with that triangle down the left-hand side. Well, I mean, when they did use, lose the ball, often it was Mendy. Like, there was one time, because obviously I looked at Grealish's performance for the article, there was one time Grealish was in that inside kind of number eight position, having dropped off from the front line, and he was pointing to Sterling as if Mendy, give him the ball. And he and Mendy tried to give Grealish the ball and just pass it straight to a Spurs player, and then they got counter-attacked on. Um, and then it was mainly on the other side, because Ferran Torres was another kind of false nine, but also he was then running in behind, and Cancelo... Whereas, you know, Mendy and Ake were trying to play short into midfield, into Grealish or into Mendy or whatever, um, Diaz and Cancelo were looking a bit more direct to go in behind to Torres. Invariably, when those passes didn't come off, Spurs would just break. And the game was so up and down, it was like a basketball match for that kind of reason. So in the space in the middle, I don't think the issue was on the left. And I mean, look, it might be an issue this season because we've talked about oh, you know, is Grealish the kind of player that David Silva is, that um, Ilkay Gundogan is? You know, does he keep hold of the ball too much? And just because of that subtle difference, not even keeping hold of the ball too much, but keeping hold of the ball too much for that role, i.e. more than those players, and would that be an issue? But I don't, at least according to my understanding of, of the game and how City were, I don't think that was the issue yesterday. I thought that left-hand side... Um, I wouldn't say well, uh, maybe promising because it wasn't good yesterday. Like you know, Sterling, he didn't end the season well anyway, and he's not fit. So, like, okay, he didn't he didn't have a great great game. But the way they worked together and the way they kind of created space for each other, the way the players followed Grealish out to the left and allowed Sterling to come inside, and at the end allowed De Bruyne to come inside when he got that shot off that Laurie saved. It's because everything we thought Grealish was going to do, he did in terms of holding onto the ball or. Oh, they'll be so worried by him. They'll double up on him. Like that happened. That actually happened. Or even when he didn't have the ball and he went out wide, like Tanganga, who did very well against him. But there were times where Tanganga was like, "Okay, I better go with him here." But he went out wide and opened up the space inside. And Sterling's obviously like, "Well, oh, yeah, great," because Sterling's problem over the last couple of seasons, no space, especially yeah. in, the, yeah, exactly, especially in the one when Liverpool won the league, there was just no space. Like all the defenders were like, oh, "I don't know where you're going to run, so I'm going to stand here, and I know where he's going to pass, so I'm going to stand here," and they did that for that whole 1920 season. But already Grealish was taking people out of the equation and opening up a bit of space. And like whether that's going to be Sterling in better form, whether that's going to be Foden, whether it's going to be De Bruyne, like we saw at the end, that's going to be really important. So, yeah, there were things like that that I thought were promising. Whether space in midfield, I don't think my football brain is good enough to break down the whole thing and say, yeah, that's because of this left-hand thing. What I did think was this way of trying to get or maybe I don't know if it's what they're going to do all the time, but I thought maybe this way of trying to get everybody in the team today is not going to is causing problems because one of the things was fitness and not preparation and just form and stuff and 
and also the fact that we know with City when things don't quite click, it just it just doesn't click, does it? Like they keep doing yeah. the things, but it, it just doesn't get over the line. You could, I mean, one of my friends said, uh, Alex, one of my friends said yesterday, uh, it's annoying how you can see uh, a, a City bad performance coming three days off. Like three days before this game, the alarm bells were ringing, and nothing, yeah. nothing stopped that happening. Yeah, and again, so I can get that. So I'll go back to the point in a minute. But like, so there was a lot of pessimism, pessimism around City in the in the build up anyway, wasn't there? And I was driving down to the game, and I heard on the radio they had the bookmakers' odds, and they were like Spurs lot. And I was expecting, you know, I was thinking in the City mindset, of, I was City probably going to lose this game, <laughs> and they were like Spurs are nine to two, which is like. For, you know, if you put ten pound on, you get forty five quid profit yeah. back, and it's and I was like, what? And then like when I got to the stadium, it was like that was just one bookmaker. There was five to one you could have got, and I was going to put a bet on, but I got distracted talking to people, and also I thought if their odds are that long, then I must be missing something. You know, Spurs must be in yeah. even worse shape than City. But I was like, that is incredible. Like, instinctively, I was like, that is incredible odds for a team that we know isn't going to be at their best. And also, you've got this opening weekend thing of the fans. Are making such a difference. Not in every case with with every home win, but you could see the home fans giving a little bit of an extra edge, and you know Spurs playing on the counter attack and all these issues. So it was in the post really, and that that goes back to the kind of how worrying is it that City could play like that? And it's like, on the one hand, I'm willing to say. So this is the thing. Like if I'm if I'm sitting here now and saying, look, don't don't panic. You know, I'm, it's almost as if I'm saying, I know better than you guys. You don't worry. It'll all be fine. But like, but look, but if City have a, a total stinker of a title defence, and in, in like two or three months, we're talking about City being shocking, then it's going to be like, I'm going to have to say, okay, I hold my hands up there. There were warning signs. And I'm probably going to have to do an article at some point, having said, don't worry, or just not done an article on it because I didn't think it was worth it. I'm then going to have to do an article on, why do City play this badly? when things don't go their way. Yeah. And obviously in 1920, that was like 15 times, wasn't it? Last season, after the improvement, it was probably, hmm, I would say with the best team twice. Yeah. Because there were the Chelsea games at the end of the season, which were the different. But anyway, even, even, to be fair, even so, like even when it was the, the change team or the strong team, when they did play that, a bad game, it was that same game. And obviously one of them was the final. But yesterday, there's a million reasons why. And to go back to the space in the middle, the protection was Fernandinho, Mendy and Cancelo. And now I've said that out loud, <laughs> Guardiola is a fucking maniac. <laughs> like, that's in, in theory, fine. Like a three-man kind of shield, inverted, tucked-in shield, ahead of two centre-backs should be enough. And look, maybe look, when Walker plays, that will be better. Um, and when there's more... Hmm, when there's more passes, basically, and I know this is like such a, a kind of intertwined answer now, but Guardiola was talking after the game about how they had the, the problems on the counter-attack because they didn't have the extra pass. And we know last season it's because it was all about patience. And in the first few games or many games, he was saying they were rushing, you know, and against Leicester when they were 1-0 up, he said they kept rushing to try and kill the game. And then they they'd kept giving balls away, stretching themselves, opening up spaces on the counter. And obviously Leicester went and scored five. And he said, that's kind of what was happening yesterday. He said they didn't have that extra pass. Like, I saw you were talking to one of my colleagues yesterday and he was saying, you know, what, you know, City making really bad decisions. And like, it's nothing to do with, like, as a statement of fact, it was like, it's nothing to do with um, like fitness or, or like conditioning. I'm thinking, well, of course it is. Like, if you're not, like, if you're knackered, and obviously this wouldn't have been the case in every situation because, you know, there would have been players on that pitch yesterday who were fully capable of making stupid decisions or even, you know, footballers might just make a stupid decision. But like, if you're knackered, 
you're not going to execute what you want to do perfectly. You might not make the right decision, or you might make the right decision, but execute it poorly. Like you can't separate those things. And like that's just that's my overall point, and that's kind of why I wanted to write about Grealish, because I was like, well, that's more of a long term thing, you know. And it's just I couldn't write another article about. Okay, well they weren't great, but there were reasons for that. Like, I feel like I feel like that I do that all the time. But and I also it looks like oh he's just making excuses for City again kind of thing. And it's yeah. like well. Look, if they lose again, if they lose against Norwich or they lose against Arsenal, or whatever, then it's like okay, well, I, we'll come back and have another look at it. But even so, like Guardiola's already said, and I know it's not always the case that whatever Guardiola says goes, but like he's already said, first three games, they're going to try and do their best, knowing they're not at their best. And like, with that in mind, the Spurs game yesterday, Mahrez's chance in the first in the first what 15, 20 minutes, I can't remember exactly when it was. Like the Fernandinho header that went just wide, did Gundogan pull one just wide? The one where they worked that free kick really well in the second half and Torres messed it up. There was a great cross in the second half from Cancelo that went all the way across and nobody was there. And it's like... It's like flashes. Was, there's, there's moments, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if so, OK, when City lost at Spurs, again, in that 2019 season, just before the pandemic, when Zinchenko got sent off and they lost 2-0, but they created a shitload of chances, but it wasn't quite happening, you'll be worried because, OK, it's like six months into the season. But it's like, well... They're just, they're just not there, like Guardiola said. They're going to try and play their best, despite not being at their best. They are literally not at their best. They can't be. They played a good team yesterday, who were you know, perfectly set up for counter-attacks. Those players they had on the counter-attacks, Lucas, Son and Bergwijn, you know, just phenomenally dangerous in those opportunities. They kept having those opportunities, partly because of fitness and partly maybe because of the game plan and the identity of the players who were there. But again, if Walker was playing, that would be different. Um, and that's just one example. Like there were just there are a lot of reasons why that performance was made. And again, I can't decide is it a good thing or a bad thing or whatever that City have these games quite often. And it's like, well, obviously it's a bad thing, but does it does that mean it's a cause for concern today? Because they still, like I say, they won the title last year. They got to the Champions League final last year. And yeah, it was an issue in the final, but there are other things like it's just. I can't work out exactly how much we need to be alarmed by City's propensity to do this because ultimately they're always going to do it, it looks like. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because they won the title last season anyway. And they can easily win the title again this year. I mean, well, it feels, it's ridiculous I'm even pointing out because, like, of course they can. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's look at the other side of this because, um, I mean, I, I saw a, a very, it was, it was a little bit of a cheeky tweet from you, Sam, during the game, but it was, but it was bang on the money, I thought. Uh, when the Spurs fans were singing, are you watching Harry Kane? You were saying, oh, well, yeah, yeah he's, he probably is probably watching. He's probably thinking I can come in and sort these problems out. Um, is that it? The well, city, is, the city is, simply need a goal, a, a goal scorer? Well, I mean, look, again, this is one of those where 
I need to be careful because I don't want to be saying, oh, don't don't be drawing that conclusion. And then like three weeks later, I'm saying, oh, look, that conclusion you were drawing three weeks ago was spot on. <laughs> um, but like, so, because people were saying that after the, after the, the Leicester game, Community Shield, it's like, well, yeah, they do need a striker, but the Leicester game didn't show us they need a striker. It showed us none of the players are fit. And that, that's my view yesterday, really. But there was obviously times when the ball went into the box. Those those chances I mentioned, a great example of that. But Put, Kane, times put when, Kane in the middle when Cancelo puts that ball across yeah. and it's in the net, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And on either Torres one where they worked the free kick really well, um, I guess, you know, he'd have been in that area. There's also... Like the amount of times I was talking, you know, talking about Grealish creating space and Sterling creating space. The amount of times the ball went to Mendy and Mendy put the ball in the box, it was pointless. Like, and again, if you talk about Guardiola's plan, like I know he tries to play for second balls and stuff, but really, if you're just putting the ball in high and not particularly quickly, you're not really going to get second balls. Spurs going to head it away and probably clear their lines. And you know, it's not like low crosses are going in and they're getting ricocheted around the box that somebody could put in on the penalty spot, is it? Like, it's a very different type of cross. But if you put Kane in just for some of them. It's going to be a bit different. Um, well, it's it's funny so. you say that actually, Sam, because uh, I had a message on Twitter uh, this morning uh, from EJ David who said um, I wanted to ask Sam his opinions on how tactically we change this season if fingers crossed we sign Kane. Personally, I feel that Mendy would play better with a clinical tall striker to whip balls into. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, somebody in the in the box who can head, you know, is is good. And that, again. This, this, that, this thing probably sums up kind of City's problem yesterday. It's like, well, they haven't got anyone in the box, but then why are you doing it? So it, there's a bit of, you know, you've got to meet in the middle somewhere. Like, it's just an understandable thing. Of course, they didn't score any headers yesterday because they didn't have anyone in the box who could do it. But why were you kind of playing that way? So I suppose that kind of sums up the whole match in the terms of, you know, weren't, you weren't ready to deal with counter-attack. So why did you, you know, why did you play some passes that open you up to them? But yeah, ultimately... It was just how the game kind of was, like, and with the fans and the way that you know, if you're going to lose balls, you're going to lose possession, and a team like Spurs are going to counter attack on you. So it's it was inevitable, and yeah, it happened. And I, I know a lot of people will be uh, dying for me to ask this question, Sam. So I have to ask it. But uh, likelihood of Kane now? Do you think? Obviously, having having played Spurs, having looked so toothless in in, in kind of in front of goal. <sighs> so mad. It's because so because um, I, 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 there was a joke on on Twitter um, yesterday. Uh, Jordan L got tweeted. Um, he just tweeted in inverted commas. Uh, Hello, Daniel. Yeah, no, it's cheeky. Um, Two hundred and fifty million. That sound okay? Yeah. Well, ah, uh, it's so. I, I can't like I I can't kind of give an idea of how mad this is from like a reporter's point of view because you know you. I'm not sure if there's any like real world parallels, but it's just you don't know whether you're coming or going. I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this either on this pod or on others um, about Grealish, because with Grealish it was the Monday before it was done. I'd spoken to somebody that day who had spoken to Grealish that day, and he was like, he's desperate for the move. And this was around the time that people were going, oh, maybe he's going to change his mind. Maybe he's going to stay. He's back at training at Villa. And I was told he's desperate for the move. You know, it, it's going to happen. Blah blah blah. I was great, but that was the night. You know, Villa fans were betting on him to stay, and the odds were more in favour of him staying at Villa. And people were going, "Oh God, the odds, the odds!" And, um, and there was that there was the NFL insider trader guy who said, "You know, breaking news: Grealish has decided to reject City." And a guy messaged me saying, "Oh, this guy's legit. You know, he's got really good ins in the NFL. Um, he, I think he knows Villa's owners." And I was like, 
well, I was like, I just replied saying, okay, well, I've just spoken to somebody who knows Grealish and it's gonna it, like he, he wants to move, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna disregard what you've said. But I was like, if this guy is legit, where's this coming from? And obviously, and I was like, the Villa fans, they're just putting money on it, so I'm, I can ignore that. But it was a difficult couple of days because there was a lot of City fans messaging me, going, "Oh, well, it's not going to happen. Oh, he's going to change." Blah blah blah. And it was kind of, and obviously, I was very invested in that happening because I knew if Grealish didn't sign, then I was going to get a load of shit for it, justly or otherwise. So I was very invested in it happening. And that, those kind of anxieties were like, oh God, like I can't deal with everyone kind of using me as the lightning rod for, is it going to happen? Cause, and it was almost like, you don't quite know what to believe, even though I'm certain that, you know, the move's going to happen. There's enough, there's, there's this wave of what about this, what about that, that does make you doubt for a second. And also in, in the pessimistic worst case scenario, what if it all falls through and I look stupid? There's that as well. But that, honestly, that's nothing compared to Kane. So I must have had, I think, five or six people who I know who have contacts who work at City or who, who do work for City. So five or six people, and normally, you know, the burden for sourcing a story is a double source. I've got five or six saying it's not just going to happen, but happen this week. And like, so I've gone through stages, and this, is, this kicked off around Wednesday last week, and it carried on over the weekend. Whoever I spoke to was saying the same thing. And it's like... I would say that none of these are like my absolute best source, but they're like four of them are like, okay, I can vouch for this guy. I know that I know that he knows somebody at the club and it's like, I don't know what he does. And he, I know that he would have to know. And I know there's, there's other information I've been sent by people who know other people that I don't know, but they're like, well, this seems, this, this seems legit. Like this, this, adding all together, he has to be signing for City next week. Like, he has to be. And if we left the podcast there, I'd be saying, <laughs> it's happening. Honestly, honestly, if it was just out down to that, and maybe if I worked for another company um, and I didn't have the other people to lean on or other people feeding in other stuff, honestly, I would have written already, it's going to happen this week. Like, no two ways about it because everyone at City is expecting it to happen. There's plans made for arrivals. There's... There's people integral to that setup who are expecting him to come this week. It's honestly, I've I've never known such a wave of information. Like I say, five or six different people, such a wave of information, all saying the same thing, and yet colleagues with excellent sources. And this, you know, it's not just you know, oh, well, Spurs press office say they're not going to sell. It's well, I mean, I can't even go into where it is, but like, you have to take my word for it. The sources they've got—I don't know exactly who they are—but they're like very integral to these deals. They've been very good in the past. They've been very good on Grealish. They've given an incredible amount of information to colleagues in the past, and it's the exact opposite. They're just saying nothing's happening. Like Levy's not picking up the phone. So that tweet you mentioned, oh, yeah. Levy, Levy, according to this, this other version of events, Levy's not even picking up the phone. Like, forget it. These people are saying it is not happening. And this is something we've seen in the national newspapers. So last week, there was a story in the Mail, there was a story in the Telegraph, there was a story in the Times that basically, you know, City were going to make a big push this week, which I think is kind of, you know, that's the same version of events that I'm hearing. You know, if my, my reading of that would be City are going to make a push this week because they know that there's going to be an agreement based on this that, that city stuff their yeah. confidence again it done but there was other stories like there was a story in the in the telegraph on sunday i think and the story in the sunday times saying spurs aren't going to sell so it's like you've got 
writers, great writers, at top papers who can't agree on what's happening. And that's what's happening with us. Like, all my information says he's going to sign this week, but all this great information that others have got says it's just not just is it not happening this week, it's just not happening at all. And I can't tell you how incredibly disconcerting this is. So, like, I've been speaking to Asan about this. Asan does the 9320 podcast because, like, he's absolutely certain because he's basically got the same info I have and I've been sharing with him what I've got and he's been sharing with me what he's got. And he's, and he's just convinced it's going to happen because, in fairness, and because he hasn't seen the kind of stuff my colleagues have got, but he is absolutely 100, a million percent convinced it's going to happen. And he was like, look, he goes, he goes, I wonder what these guys are going to say when it does happen, what their excuse is going to be. And I was like, can you just imagine for a second? Imagine it doesn't. Because I wouldn't have like, I wouldn't have gone through all this effort of telling you all this like to to come up with some elaborate backstory like if it doesn't happen now, um I don't no, my, my credibility is not going to take a huge hit like with Grealish would have because I was I was on the record saying you know Grealish is this and Grealish is that, um, and on this I'm just kind of explaining how mad the situation is and I've I've not got. Kane's going to sign for City with my name on anywhere. And even in this conversation, I'm kind of summing up how difficult it is. But I will have to kind of go away after this if Kane doesn't sign. And, like, it just transpires that nothing was on at any point. And just say... But the thing is, it's not even like having a look at myself. Or maybe it is, to be fair, because I've not had any sources saying it's not going to happen to me. So maybe it's like, okay, well, why? where were they? But the, the weight of stuff coming out from people who work in good positions at City and who work in relevant positions at City, it's just an absolute tidal wave of it's going to happen. And it's like, if that's wrong, then what the hell's going on? Yeah. Like, how like how could it not happen? But also, it's like, if he does sign, then where's all this really good information coming from that's so convincing? Like, I can't... Like, it's, it's equally as convincing as all mine is. It, that's probably the best way I can put it. So everything I'm saying about five or six sources at City saying it's not just expected, but expected this week. Like, the... Information to the contrary is of exact, as far as I can make out, equal weighting. And that's why I mean it's the, one of the maddest ones. Again, another one that's just come to me. So, Pal Torres isn't going to go to play for Spurs. You know Spurs are interested in Pal Torres, yeah. the VRL defender. He's not going. They can't, let's just say they can't agree personal terms. He's not going. That was nothing to do with the Kane transfer. But I've been told by somebody around you know Spurs' dealings in terms of Pal Torres and other players, if Kane goes... Lautaro Martinez is a done deal. That's ready. So now I'm thinking, well, if Levy's not going to sell Kane, then why are you looking? Why are you lining up a striker as a replacement? So, and if Lautaro Martinez is a done deal, if Kane goes, then they're obviously thinking of selling Kane, aren't they? And then all the information I've got from City must be true. But yeah. now I'm thinking, now I'm thinking maybe the the guy who's involved with this other deal. It's got the wrong end of the stick, and maybe it's not to do with Kane, and maybe they're just going to sign him anyway. Like it's just, I wouldn't be thinking about that. Well, I kind of would, but not to this extent. If it wasn't for all this information that my colleagues have got, they just say it's not going to happen. It's so, so, so unusual, and that's why when people are asking me, "Oh, what's going on with Kane?" It's just honestly, whichever version of events is right, I think we'll find out by the end of the week, because obviously, if City sign Kane, or you know, they make the big bid and it kicks off, then we'll know that. The version of events let's let's say my version of events is right but if, if nothing happens by the end of the week then it it's probable that the other version of events is is right and that you know levy's just not picking up the phone and he's just not going to sell him and yeah. then if that is the case and kane doesn't sign for city then it's more like then i will have to be like okay have city done enough this summer 
to retain their title. And I'm not sure they would have. But there's no point in me saying that now. There's no point in me writing articles about, oh, they need number nine, they need this, they need that, because they're still trying to get it. But if it gets to that stage, then I would be a bit more worried for City. Um, but obviously, if they get him, and if they get him this week, then full steam ahead. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I've got um, kind of towards the end of the show, Sam. I want to I want to uh, kind of put one of my worries for this season to you because it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a point snowballed out from uh, the last kind of eighteen months or so. Um, because you think back to the nineteen twenty season and uh, the problems that City had in in in, in that season with the counter attacks and with with just their general that that idea that every kind of six seven games they chuck in one of those stinker performances. Um, you then get to the start of the pandemic, everything kind of shuts down, they come back, the same sort of problems exist, but Guardiola solves them for the 2021 season, that's, you know, predominantly, well, it's mostly played behind closed doors, City fans weren't in the Etihad mm. until until the Everton game at the end, Um but they were, again, in that first half of the season, they chucked in a stinker pretty much every other week, uh, they got away with it for many games especially away from home they you know they they got to the, the the Chelsea game just over christmas and everything seemed to click and that's when that you know they put a run together that won the title um my my little kind of niggling doubt for this season the fans returning is a much bigger thing i think than than has been said i mean there's been a lot of stuff about how football's not the same without fans and all that sort of stuff and i really think there's something in it because I just hear me out on on how this how this affects kind of um, home and away grounds because for instance last season home advantage pretty much disappeared which says to me that the that that away teams going to, to to difficult grounds didn't find it as difficult because the fans weren't there there was no hostile environment to to, to kind of um, have to play in now City um, they've dealt quite well with those hostile environments in the past but you think of like going to Anfield for instance that's not a, it's never an easy trip when the fans are in last season they found it pretty easy in the end. At home, 
the City fans, yeah. you know, when 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 it's when it's a tight game and City have, have not scored, the fans get really nervous, really anxious, and that can transmit to the pitch, and they can start making different decisions, decisions that they're not making when they're playing behind closed doors. So. My little worry is that Guardiola last season solved, in inverted commas, pandemic football, worked out how to how to win the league in the pandemic. And now my doubt is that in the post-pandemic era, when things have gone back to, to how they were you know, beforehand, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to see another season a little bit like 1920. Does that make sense or am I overreacting again? I just can't again? control the games. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I think... It, it may it makes sense, and it, I I think what would be even more pertinent to that would be, after, no, obviously City had that nineteen twenty season. There was injuries, of course, but there was also the kind of, you know, I think it, the players kind of acknowledged it was just complacency in the end. You know, the stuff that just creeps in, you can't do anything about. Um, so there's that, um, and it, again, if if that happens this season, you know, if Bernardo can't leave and Laporte can't leave and Jesus can't leave, to be honest. I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say how much of a problem that could be, how much of a problem that would or could cause. But if you've got some unhappy players around, whether it's all of them or some of them or whatever, and they don't get Kane, and things are not too different from last season, then all of a sudden if things drop off slightly, and you know the press isn't quite there, and they're not controlling games with those passes just because you know players drop their level ever so slightly. Then all the counterattacks start happening. Then you start looking, and if if it goes that way, which could happen in those circumstances, then by the end of the season you're saying they need a left back because Zinchenko won't have a good season. If that's how it looks, Zinchenko won't have a good season. I'll um, say Fernandinho's finished, so you need to get rid of Rodri, um, Stones. You know, Stones and Diaz. You know, if they're exposed like Stones and Otamendi were, or, or Stones and Fernandinho were in that season a couple of years ago, then they're going to have very different seasons. Um, obviously, they did very well under pressure last year, but if there's more and more of it, then it could be different, and everything's going to look very different. Um, so that that could be the case, but I think what that would come down to is not staving off that complacency. Give it Honestly, give it three weeks, and then we'll see fitness-wise where they are, and we'll also see squad-wise, because they might have got rid of the players who want to go, or some of them, and they might have got Kane in. And if they do, then I don't think it will be as big of an issue. Like it's, I think it's it's possible... And like you're saying, if they can't control games like they did last year because of fans back in the stadium, then, yeah, that is an issue. But I, I think as long as the motivation is there and I think as long as the quality is there and the two go hand in hand, actually, um, then they they, sh- they should be better off. Um, but there's definitely the potential for that. There is the potential for that. And that's not kind of scaremongering because the last 45 minutes I've been saying, you know, it'll be all right. But like... There is the potential for that if things don't go well, but let's just give them the opportunity for 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 those to see to how go it's well going to go. Yeah. And I, I do think if they sign Kane, then it, it's a game changer. Yeah. I think it's an it's an absolute game changer. And I th- I don't know why, and this might psychologically not make any sense, but I just think there would be no complacency if Harry Kane turns up at that tra- that training ground because I just think everyone's going to be like, right, okay, we've got Grealish, we've got Kane, and obviously they add enough on the pitch in terms of solutions, particularly Kane. I I just think that's gonna that keeps City fresh. I think, and I think uh, there's a lot of good challenges. But I think with City looking fresh, and if they can retain the principles from last season, even though there'll be fans back, obviously, I think they can do it. 
Yeah. Uh, little game to finish, uh, Sam, uh, that I'm going to spring on you, uh, because this is City's uh, first defeat on the opening day for a long, long time. Um, I was putting some stuff on Twitter last night about what's, uh, about what's happened in the years since, uh, because the last time City lost on the opening day, for instance, George W. Bush was the US president and uh, Gordon Brown was the UK prime minister. I was 20 years old. Um, the, uh, the, the there was only two models of iPhone in existence: the uh, the iPhone and the iPhone 3G. That was that that had come out 37 days before the game. Uh, Guardiola's managerial record at, uh, at top level clubs uh, was played one one one. You know, you, in, in terms of video games, you, you know, you, uh, Dead Space and Bioshock had not been released at this stage. So uh, I just want to know, given that uh, I was at university at the time, the last time City lost on the opening day, and I think in terms of school years, uh, you were the year behind me. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how many of this you, how much of this you will know, but uh, how many of the players that played for City that day could you name? I'm trying. So I'm trying to place which season that was and where I was. I hadn't started uni. That was my second year of uni. Uh, so that was the season after. Because City beat United really early, didn't they? And Giovanni, well, Giovanni scored. It like, got deflected off Vidic. Yeah. That See, this was, is my that, old United that, legacy coming through. That, that was the season thing. before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the season before. So this one, had Giovanni gone by that point? Alano? Alano was in the uh, team, yep. Right. Petrov? Uh, he was in the team, yes. Uh, 2008. So that would have... Was that before Zabaleta and company signed? It was before Zabaleta and company yeah. signed. They signed that season, but it was before then. Uh, Richards? Uh, he was in the team, yeah. Nadum? Uh, no, didn't play. But he was at the club, didn't no. play. Boyata? No, like, yeah, long bit long before him. Um, yeah, way too early. Oh, what embarrassment! I mean, are you going to play this on one point five speed for the for the listeners? I don't know. I don't know if you can call it pleasure. I'll I'll put you um, out your misery. I mean, Shall I? Come on, no, Wayne, uh, Wayne Bridge. No, he wasn't. He Given? wasn't even. Uh, Given wasn't there. Bridge wasn't there. Oh no, Wayne Bridge would have been a fucking post takeover signing, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I'm terrible at stuff like this. <laughs> I know that's why I didn't give you but, any time to prepare. I'll tell you. I'll tell you yeah. the theme, shall I? Uh, it but was... it's one of those where it's like, if you tell me, obviously I'll be. Oh yeah, this one. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny. Uh, no, he was. He um. He, he was there, but I think he was still injured Vassell, at that point. Yeah. I think. Vassell. Uh, no, he didn't play. I was throwing names at you that played around <laughs> that point. I mean, Go credit on, to you, they were all at the club at this point. They just didn't play in this game. Um, it was uh, a team of Joe Hart, Vedran Choluca, Micah oh, Richards. Well, that was obvious. Yeah, yeah, Chuluk, uh, yeah. Uh, Tal Ben Haim, Javier Garrido, yeah. Kelvin Atuhu. Yeah, I should have known him. Um, well, I never got that. I, mean, uh, I remember him, but I never got that. Jelson Fernandez. Yeah, I wouldn't have said that either. Michael Johnson. Um, yeah, I should have got that. Martin Petrov, Alano, and uh, Ched Evans was the uh, was the centre Ched forward. Evans, the uh, the two subs were Daniel Sturridge and uh, Stephen Island. Yeah, again, when you were going through it, then I was like, shit, I've got to say Stevie Island. Um, yeah, okay, I don't feel too bad about that. I mean, arguably everybody listening to say if you were a City correspondent, you shouldn't know that. But um, yeah, I wasn't. Thirteen yeah. years ago, was I? It, it, that's, isn't that the mad thing about football? You feel like you should know stuff that happened thirteen years ago just for like one game. Yeah, long, long and before your time. Do. To be fair, I, I couldn't. I couldn't have even told you the United, the United team that started that season either. Really, like brains absolute mush these days. <laughs> yeah, well, there we talking, have it. Talking for ten minutes about transfer sagas around in circles. You know, I think I think you've joined the dots on that one. <laughs> that head is gone. <laughs> That'll do it, won't it? Uh, right, so that's the end of this episode of Why Always Us. Uh, thanks to Sam Lee. 
yeah thanks very much i hope you found some kind of i don't know closure comfort in that um and if you if you can work out what's going on with Kane, then please get in touch. Yeah, we'll see you next week for another one of these. Um, we'll be back after the uh, the weekend's game with Norwich. You can sign up to the Athletic right now with a thirty three percent discount. You can just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.